0: Well, good morning once again. I'm so glad that you're here to join us as we start a new series. I'm glad that you all like each other so much, but sit down. No, that didn't work. They're still ignoring me. Okay. Well, I'm going to pray, and when I pray, you're going to be ignoring Jesus, so take that. Bow your heads with me if you will. If you're walking, don't do that. I would suggest not. Otherwise, you'll fall trip and... We can't afford the insurance. Just kidding. Lord, we come to you right now. We thank you for this day. God, I thank you for uh, a full house. I thank you for powerful worship. I thank you for your presence. God, we just ask that you continue to fill this building, fill this place with you this morning. I hope that everybody leaves today knowing that they had an opportunity to meet with God and that they felt you here in this place today. Lord, remove me from the equation as we bring the word Just completely pour through me and give the message to those that need to hear it and the message that you wish for them to hear. God, we ask these things in Jesus' powerful name. Amen. All right. So we are starting a new series on 1 John titled It Certainty of Faith. We're going to break the series up because it's a long one. It's like eight or nine weeks, about halfway through in March, early March. We're going to have a uh, all music worship Sunday, but we'll have We'll make sure that we uh, take the Lord's Supper during that time. I'm going to talk to a few people who may have some baptisms and some other things or some testimonies, but... Uh, you know, we're not doing those those all worship, music worship Sundays after every sermon series like we did last year. Our hope is that we can spend more time planning them, we can make them a lot more impactful, and that you will see the value in those and come to those. So uh, be excited for that, understand that that's coming, but for now, we're going to start 1 John. We're going to be in chapter 1 and verses 5 through 7 today. Everything will be on the screen if you want to follow along, if you use the Bible app on your phone or an old-school Bible that has a cover and some paper and ink, then feel free to follow along in that way as well. Now, the separation of light and darkness is a literary archetype. Okay, It's a literary archetype. It's a reoccurring theme in literature. We see it all throughout the history of literature. Uh, it's still rampant in our literature today. We see it in movies and TV shows, this battle between light and darkness. It often symbolizes the battle between good and evil. Now, light typically suggests hope, renewal, or intellectual awakening, whereas darkness often represents the unknown ignorance or despair. Now, I would argue that this archetype, this literary archetype, this reoccurring theme of this battle between good and evil, light and darkness, is born out of the very existence of God And his character and his inability to be in darkness. And so the battle between darkness and light is very real. If you're a Christian, you know that to be true. And frankly, if you have eyes and ears and you pay attention to the world around us, you can see battles occur all the time. Now, here's the thing. For all of us, all of us, we have to choose between sin and righteousness. Will we walk in the light or will we walk in the darkness? And that's what today is all about. First, John 1, 5 through 7 says, this is the message that we have heard from him and declare to you. God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we claim to have fellowship with him and yet walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son purifies us from all sin. God is light. Never in history, in my opinion, has the word is been so important. Is, or the Greek "estin" for to be, is used to describe something that is identical. Something that exists. Something that happens. It can describe being in a place and often describes representation. God is literal light. God is identical to light. There's a couple passages in scripture that would lead us to know this and understand this in Exodus 34. If you'll remember, Moses goes up on the mountain and there he meets with God and he comes back down and the people are afraid of him. In Exodus 34:30, 30, it says when Aaron and all the Israelites saw Moses, his face was radiant and they were afraid to come near him. God's light shone so bright that it reflected off of Moses's face to the point. If you read chapter 34, you'll see that Moses actually wore a veil around because people were so afraid to come near him. They didn't quite understand what was going on. So he would wear a veil all the time. He talked to the people and then when he would go meet with the Lord, he would take the veil off, obviously. But then when he came back, he's still radiant, still shining veil right back on. And then in Matthew, in the New Testament, 17, Matthew 17, verse two, Jesus takes Peter, James and John with him up on the mountain. And it says in verse two, there he was transfigured before them. His face shone like the sun and his clothes became white as the light. What we have right there in that verse is a confirmation of the deity of Christ, that Christ is the Lord. It's part of the reason we have the idea of the Trinity. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. Separate beings that all carry the same weight. Jesus is God. Righteousness. Righteousness so pure in the Father and the Son that it literally shines from them, that they literally give off light. And that is the light that we can. Walk in. That is the place that we can be when we are with the Lord. God and Jesus are the perfect representation of light. So pure. So pure that there is no darkness whatsoever in him. Says God is light. Within him there is no darkness. Herein lies the problem because our natural state is darkness. Our natural state is darkness. If you have toddlers running around, especially the second one, you see that. I'm just saying. If you've had, I mean, at any point, or if you like have a boy, because boys are like literally little demons that run around. You know, They're, they're wonderful, awesome little demons, but they're little demons. They run around just terrorizing the world. And you, you know, like if you're a boy parent, I know what you're thinking. Most of you are thinking, I wonder if I bought some catcher's gear, if I would just end up like less injured, right? Full pads and just, we can go to battle. But our natural state from the time that we are born on this earth is darkness. We lean towards sin. We lean towards darkness. God being light, having no darkness within him. It's like oil and water. It just doesn't mix. We can come as close as possible to being together. But while we have darkness and he is only light, there is no ability to mix. We look at John chapter three, same person who wrote first John, by the way. So it makes sense that these passages are somewhat similar. But John chapter three, 19 through 21, it says, this is the verdict. Light has come into the world. of God. These words mimic John's words in 1 John chapter 1 verse 6 and 7 that says that if we claim to have fellowship with him and yet we walk in the darkness, we lie and we do not live out the truth. But if we walk in light, as he is in light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. See, we can claim to walk in the light all day long, but in the end, our deeds will tell the truth. What path have we chosen? Have we chosen darkness or have we chosen light? Because here's the thing about God being light. Light exposes everything in darkness, right? Everybody's used a flashlight before. Why have you used a flashlight? Because you can't see. You turn on the flashlight and suddenly You see everything that was once covered by darkness. God works the same way. When his light shines upon us, our sin is revealed. Everything done in the dark is seen. There's no hiding from him. And he sees all. And he not only reveals our sin, but he condemns it. So God is light. We are darkness. He condemns our darkness. Let's look at Luke chapter 12, 2 through 3. It says, there is nothing concealed that will not be disclosed or hidden that will not be made known. What you have said in the dark will be heard in the daylight and what you have whispered in the ear of the inner rooms will be proclaimed from the ruse. What comes out of you will eventually be seen by the world. Where you walk will eventually be known to man and woman who lives beside you. All day long, we can claim to be Believers, All day long, we can claim to be in relationship with the Father. But if we're living a life that says that's not the case, then that is not the case. There are no secrets and nothing is hidden. We cannot claim the Lord and yet live a life of fulfilled temptation. Right? It just doesn't work that way. So, God is light. We are darkness. He condemns the darkness. We can't hide it. So, we're in trouble, right? We're in trouble. Big trouble. My mom used to say, You're in big trouble. (laughs) Right? The good news while, yes, we are in trouble, we have a choice. There are two paths. We can watch, we can walk in our natural darkness, or we can choose to walk in the light. We can rest in God. And we have to understand that it's made possible through Jesus. Let's look back at verse seven. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. That means us in God if we walk in the light like God is the light, then we have fellowship with God. And this is very key. And the blood of Jesus, his son purifies us all from sin. If we choose light, then we can have fellowship with the father. And when we choose light, we can be purified and we are purified through the blood of Christ. In essence, in essence, Christ brings us into the light. And remember, when you are brought into the light, nothing is hidden. And so, when you're in that light with Christ, as He brings you into that light, God sees you just as He sees Christ. That's grace, that's salvation. That's what Christ did for you and everyone on the cross. He gave them the ability to be seen as light. When Christ brings us into the light, we appear as he did on the mountain to his disciples transformed. And that's a beautiful thing. It is a wonderful thing. And it's a thing that we cannot accomplish on our own. And one of the biggest struggles we have with Christianity, one of the biggest struggles I know that I had with Christianity is coming to the realization that I couldn't do it on my own because I like to do things on my own. You know, I'll work 12 jobs. I'll sleep two hours a night. I'll do all the things just to say that I could do them. It is a character flaw, but it is a flaw that's within me. I know that some of you struggle with that, but... If we're all being honest, there's a little bit in all of us that tries to, to do this on our own. So here's the question. If we walk in the light and Christ brings us into the light and we appear transformed before the Father, does that mean that we no longer sin? That's a rhetorical question because you should know that that answer is obviously no. Why? Because our natural state is darkness. We lean towards darkness. Darkness. And the process of salvation and transformation, okay, is a, a long one. Salvation happens instantaneously. When we ask Christ to be our Lord and Savior, earnestly and honestly, that moment of salvation happens just like that. But we do not transform into new beings overnight. It's not like all the sin you had before that moment Is no longer tempting to you. It would be wonderful if it worked that way. And a lot of times you know this when you first become a Christian, you first see somebody become a Christian, it seems like that for a little bit. They're on cloud nine, right? You ever hear somebody describe somebody who just came to the Lord as glowing? I remember that. When I accepted Christ as my Savior, I had a number of people tell me, You're glowing. You look so much happier. You look so much lighter. How interesting that the word that people so often use to describe a new Christian as glowing mimics the radiance of the Father and of the Son. But understand that even on the sunniest of summer days, there are still shadows. Now, because of the light, we can see what happens in the shadows. Because of the light, what happens in the shadows will be revealed but there are still shadows and we will still from time to time sin. So understand, it's not what John meant that those that walk in the light can only walk in the light and every time you sin, you're in big trouble. That's not at all what he's saying. Anytime there's this ultimatum in scripture, there's a certain permanence about their words. They're saying that If you permanently walk in darkness, you can only claim to be in light, right? But if you spend your time in the light, if you spend your time in the light, then darkness is not seen within you. That's grace. That is 100% grace. Those who walk in the light cannot do so with perfection. But luckily for you and me, we do not have to be perfect. Because there is a God who loves us so much that he gave his son to die for us on a cross that we might find forgiveness of our sins, that we might be seen as light so that that oil and water turns to all water or all oil, however you want it. But now we can mix together. That is what Christ has done for us. So, yes, there are still shadows on the brightest of summer days. Yes, You can walk in the light and from time to time still sin. Absolutely. Here's the thing that you have to grasp and I have to grasp. And I still struggle with grasping this truth from time to time. Thinking that perfection is what God demands of you alone demeans the gift of Christ. When you say that I have to be perfect. When you say, I'm the one that's got to correct this, you are telling Christ that he is not enough. You are telling God the Father that his sacrifice of his son was not enough. I'm not saying that to make you feel bad. I'm just saying that to tell you that's the truth of the matter. And I can tell you that in my life, when I'm really struggling with sin or when I'm going through one of those spiritual warfare type battles... I often find myself there because I'm trying to go it alone and I'm telling Christ his sacrifice wasn't enough. Don't worry, Jesus. I've got this on my own. I know you did the whole cross thing, Jesus, but I'm capable. Do not belittle the gift of Christ. Do not throw away grace just because you feel unworthy of it. The great thing about Jesus and the wonderful thing about God is when they authored the sacrifice that Jesus brought, they didn't ask anybody how they felt about it. They didn't ask anybody how they felt about it. They didn't go to the disciples. They didn't go to the Pharisees. They didn't go to you or me and say, hey, would it be all right with you if say, my son to die on the cross and, you know, pave the way for you to find forgiveness? They didn't ask. They didn't ask. They just did it. Because they see the value in you. So even if you don't feel worthy. Understand that they see you as worthy. I'll never understand that. Maybe you never will as well. It's one of the mysteries of faith. How God could look at me. And see me worthy. Of the sacrifice of his son. Of his child. There's not a person in this room. That I would sacrifice my kid for. Not a person in this world. That I would do that for. I love all you. Just not that much. And yet somehow God did. So here's what I have learned. If you struggle with passages like these. Again, like I so often struggle with passages like these. You are relying on yourself and not the being of Christ. And in the end, you are one legalistic follower of God. Because you somehow think the rules are going to get you to heaven. That's just not the case. You might as well stand in line with the Pharisees who wanted to cast the stones at the broken, wounded woman. Because the rules are meant to allow us To more easily walk in the light and allow us to more easily come into relationship with Christ. But the rules alone do nothing. The rules alone do nothing. The rules always existed and yet Christ was still necessary. We need both. We don't follow the rules for Christ. We follow the rules because we have Christ. Right? That's a big difference. We don't follow the rules to obtain Christ. We follow the rules because we have obtained Christ when we did not deserve Him. And make no mistake about it that legalism is darkness. 2 Timothy 1.9 says He has saved us and called us to a holy life not because of anything that we have done but because of His own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. Before any of this existed, grace through the Son was planned for you and me. So here's what I have to tell you. Which path you choose is up to you. Choose wisely. Let's pray. God, I come to you right now and I thank you for this day as the band comes. God, we just want to come to you. We ask that you fill this place as we continue our worship. Father, you are light. You are perfect. There is no darkness within you. And yet there is so much darkness in us. But thank the Lord. Literally, there is Jesus and Jesus sacrificed himself on the cross that we might experience grace and forgiveness that we might be seen as light through him by you. And because we can now be seen as light when we accept salvation that only comes from the cross of Christ. When we accept that salvation, then God sees us as he sees Jesus, light. And Lord, we will struggle from time to time. We still live in a sinful world. We are still imperfect people. And yes, we make mistakes. But the important thing is that when we, Commit an act of darkness. That instead of continuing on that path, instead of trying to hide in the shadows, that God, we come to the light. That we come to the light. You see the darkness within us. God, may we be people who when darkness comes from us, we admit to it. We believe. We absolutely believe that you can give us forgiveness for it and that you allow us to show ourselves grace like you have shown us grace so that we can walk forward and leave our past behind. There are two paths. We can walk in darkness or we can walk in light. God, lead us to the light. We ask these things in Jesus' wonderful and powerful, grace-giving name. Amen. Stand with us now. Let's worship. If you need to pray, come pray with me. Ali, will you stand right over there? Ali will be over there. If you would like to pray with a lady or if you just don't want to come up front and you'd like to pray, uh, off in the shadows, sorry that by all means, please do so. Um, If you need to pray with me, come pray with me. I would love to pray with you. I told you this last week and I'm in it. It is my absolute favorite part about being a pastor is getting to be in relationship with people and getting to pray for people. And I want to pray for you if you have something that you need to have prayed for. Okay, you can come use our stage as an altar. Pray by all means. If you need the salvation of God, if you need that light, that can only come through Christ. Come speak with me today before you leave this place. It's the most important decision that you could ever make. Otherwise, if you can stand, stand with us now and worship. If you're seated, sit with us and worship and give God that offering that he deserves. Amen? Amen.